for some reason or another, I just felt uncomfortable touching the casket and moving it with them. So I just followed them and then they put it on this track, okay? And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I could have put it on the track. Turns out that track went right in and this door opens up and it was a furnace. Oh, alhamdulillah. I can't be like, rip Kobe. We are not allowed to pray for the forgiveness and mercy of any non-believer that has passed away. So there's one particular graveyard here where I think the whole entire cost is $23,000. For one... $23,000. I can't afford to die. <laughs> exactly. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to another episode of the Prophetic Mentality Podcast. I am your host, Amr Mabrook, joined by my co-host Munir and a very special returning guest, finally, Sheikh Farhan. Welcome back. Second round. You are one of the original seven. How are you doing today? Like salam wa rahmatullah. Alhamdulillah, it's always an honor to be here. I'm doing good. Alhamdulillah, life is good. Everything is pleasant. Alhamdulillah. First time we had you, you were at the old studio mm -hmm. in my tiny apartment. Now we've upgraded to this beautiful IOK Mashallah. studio on your turf. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, things are coming full circle. Alhamdulillah. So, Sheikh, before we get like too deep into this topic, it's going to be a heavy topic today. Um, how do you do with the the teenage versus Sheikh's basketball tournament? <laughs> So, so, so the, the word on the streets is we got massacred. So there's an element of truth to that. They did beat us by 20 points. 20, okay. And so, so I guess two clarifications. Yeah, I said, how did you do? Yeah. Not your team. Yeah. I'm talking, oh, how, how, was so your, how was your game? We, we didn't pick the teams. The kids oh. picked the teams. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they had two, mashallah, varsity high school basketball players on their team. Okay. And all the, all the imams and sheikhs were in their late 30s, early 40s. Mm -hmm. um, I did my job. I say when I play basketball, I have one job to put the ball in the hoop. And that's what I do. Alhamdulillah. But we also had a lot of turnovers from some of our players. And all those turnovers <laughs> turned into fast break points. <laughs> so at halftime, we were good. You can name drop. <laughs> at at, at halftime, it was 24 21. So we're right there. And then the stamina and kicked in. And, and then the third quarter, woo, they just outran us. Oh, man. You guys were gassed. <laughs> Basically, if we ended at halftime, it would have been like, Respectable. Alhamdulillah. Glad to see the youth out and about though. You don't see people, kids outside these days. So you don't. that's good. That's good. Yeah. But you, even all the kids that play, like I remember growing up, we'd play ball in the park at least two, three hours every single day. The same park, if you go there today, it's empty. Two, three hours a day? Uh -uh. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I used to be out all day. I guess so. <laughs> Mashallah. Yeah, you don't see kids out. Ever. You know who I see at my local park? Drug dealers. <laughs> Uh, it's a good area too, but a, they, we're we're in California. You know how things they, go. They, there. they were there back in the days, but they still played ball. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today, Munir, what's the topic? All right, a little heavier than that, but uh, we want to talk. We want to have a comprehensive go-to resource um, for people who want to discuss death. So we yeah. you almost call it how to die, okay. but Islamic laws of death and burial. And I want to start us before death even, because there are things that happen when a guy is sick, mm -hmm. for example, and not every sickness turns to death, but that's typically where we start. Someone's sick, how are we going to deal with that? And we're going to move our way through slowly until someone's buried, and then even a little after that. Okay. So we get the full picture. So, so every question someone might have of this, any scenario, and inshallah, we'll timestamp this YouTube video. Someone can just scroll through, find that question, and then they can get the answer. Okay. It's all in one place. Yeah, Munir right. will timestamp it. I'm already <laughs> busy enough. <laughs> I got you. I got you. <laughs> so, so, now, Sheikh, so we have someone, a friend of ours, he say they're sick in their home. 
So what do we do? Is a Muslim, are we obligated to visit? Should I not visit? You know, he's sick. I don't want to push, Maybe be a burden on them. COVID, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't. How long should I, yeah, COVID aside, let's say, <laughs> how long should I visit? Maybe they need company. They're lonely, right? They've yeah. been sick. Should I be there for a couple hours, really? Be there for them? Yeah. Um, should I bring food, not bring food? Are they supposed to serve me, actually, right? As yeah. I'm the guest. Okay. So we'll okay. go through that. So I guess first and foremost, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So sickness, obviously, it's like a natural part of life. Everyone's going to get sick at one time or another. And the beautiful thing about Islam is that literally there's guidance for every single thing that we do and every single thing that happens to us, including illness and sickness. So there's like illness and sickness from the perspective of the person that's going through it. And then there's, you know, the family and friends and community members. So for the person themselves, first and foremost, it's always important to remind them about all the hadith that talk about being patient, you know, having sabr. And if you're patient with your sickness and your illness, it becomes a source of spiritual purification. It's a means of having your sins expiated and forgiven. And if a person has no sins left, it elevates the ranks in paradise. So actually helping them have that type of mindset, that attitude, and that's part of what we do when we go to visit them. So if we have a friend who's ill, who's sick, one of the rights they have upon us is actually to go visit them. There's a famous hadith of the Prophet where he mentions several rights that we have upon each other. And one of them is visiting when they're sick. And there's another hadith where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a hadith Qudsi says that, you know, um, how come you didn't come visit me? And the person will ask, what do you mean? He'll say, so-and-so was sick and you didn't go see them. So mm. there's a lot of encouragement to go and visit people who are ill, who are sick. And the main objective behind it is to give them some sort of solace, some sort of consolation, to give them company. Because when people are sick, um, they're feeling down physically, but they're also feeling down emotionally, you know, psychologically. So you go and you cheer them up. So there are a lot of guidelines and etiquettes for visiting someone who's sick. You should choose an appropriate time. Don't show up like really early in the morning. Don't show up really late at night. Try to figure out if it's a time that's comfortable for the person you're going to see. And when you go there, um, you are not supposed to stay there for a long time. What's a long time? Or is that just subjective to... It's really subjective. Okay. But a long time would be where they start becoming uncomfortable. Okay. Like you kind of sense you've, they're, they're tired. You know, they're kind of like you've overstayed your welcome. The purpose is you go there. You, you know, cheer them up for a bit. You talk to them. Raise their spirits. You know, remind them about being patient and reward. And then you leave. Um, some of the etiquettes are you're not supposed to like ask them, you know, how sick are you? What did the doctor say? What's going to happen? What's the, yeah, the prognosis? Yeah, like, how long you got left? Yeah. Right? Don't give uh, unwarranted and unwanted medical advice. Right? Don't be like, oh, you should take this medicine and that medicine. And, or, you know, the pharmaceuticals are all to get your money. Forget all your prescriptions and go herbal and whatever and go vegan. <laughs> don't, don't do all that stuff when you're there. Um, there's a really, really beautiful book um, by Sheikh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda. Oh. Right? Famous Syrian muhaddith, faqih. Um, he has a book called Min Adib al-Islam. It's been translated to English, Islamic Manners. And there's a whole section on the etiquettes and manners of visiting someone who's sick. And he mentions all of these various etiquettes, along with like the evidence from the Quran and from the Hadith. So it's a really beautiful book. Is it's there like, another book? Because those books are like gold. I think they may be out of print. If you have one, hold on to it. Fortress, I have not, Fortress of the Muslim I have not probably seen has it, like right? some it has, section. It has the supplication. What about like Adab oh, al-Mufrad? Okay. Yeah, that, that has some of them as that well. That has some of them? Okay. But Islamic Manners, that's like the go-to okay. text for this to- topic. Um, we have a bunch in the library upstairs. You hear that? Become an IOK <laughs> seminary student. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I'm sure you can find the PDF online. Yeah, so. every Islamic book has uh, its yeah, PDF. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's like, that, and, and again, when you go, your main objective, your main purpose should be, I'm going to cheer this person up. Okay. Right. And, the, and there is also prophetic advice for, for offering that person their like favorite food. Because hmm. there is something about finding comfort in a good meal. Right. So if a person's sick and they, they want, they're expressing that, hey, I really want to eat something, take it to them and, 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 and you know, serve it to them. They'll, they'll just cheer them up. Yeah. And we've, uh, my family, we've done that before where someone's sick and, and even with COVID, so say you can't go, but now we have DoorDash, Uber Eats, whatever else. We've you sent food, right? You or can sent at them, least send something. Or send the Venmo charge of like, yeah. this is how much it would cost to get, like, John, I know you love Jamba Juice. So like, this is how much it would cost. Either get it or get something else for yourself. But here's the money. I wish I could come visit, but I can't. And okay. even if like, maybe they're in the Bay Area, I'm in SoCal, can't do that, yeah. right? Yeah. So it still means today to quote unquote, help out or visit yeah. without going yeah, physically. Definitely. So yeah. So e- even, if, even if it's like, um, you know, calling someone, texting them, that's also a form of fulfilling that right. Yeah. All right. And the best would be to actually go yeah. see them in person. If they're if they're local, if they're your relative, if it's a community member, there's nothing like going in person. And honestly speaking, it really does bring them joy. It brings them happiness. And those are the memories that they'll remember regarding you. It will have them make dua for you. Yeah. It's just something that like the, the, the spiritual aspect of it can't like be like quantified. Especially if someone is really suffering, so all their sins are being forgiven, and yeah. then they're becoming more pure. So their their dua is more likely to be accepted yeah. than yours. So yeah. maybe you should yeah. Yeah. make your way over. So there. for the Prophet said, one of the ideas, it's pretty short, right? Is labats tahur inshallah. Huh? So in other words, like labats like it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's a means of purification. There you go. Yeah, and and there's other, you know, in in Mishkat um, al the famous hadith collection by Alama at Tibrizi. There's a whole section in, there's a book called Kitab al-Jana'iz. It's like the unit on funerals. And it goes through the hadith from illness all the way until burial and afterwards. Mm-hmm. So there is a section which talks about like if you go there, there are certain supplications that you should recite like la tahuran. And again, the purpose of that is to uplift their spirits. Um, but also there's like aspects of ruqya that you can do. Like when you go to someone and they're feeling physical pain, um, you can recite al-Fatiha, right? You can recite... Um, certain adi'iyah that are mentioned i forgot what the exact wording is but there's some su- supplications and then like the surah al-ikhlas al-falaq al-nas those are all from established riwayat established ahadith that you can do and that also again becomes a source of consolation for the person that your visit to them is just not like hey i'm just here to see you there's mm-hmm. some actual like practice in, in ibadah going on at that time as well is that translated in english it is it is okay. the translation is not the best of translations okay but it does the job Okay. It does the job. There's actually um, sunnah.com. I, I think they've uploaded like 70% of the book so far. So that section has been translated. Okay. Perfect. And then, and then in English, there's an exhaustive commentary that's been translated. I think it was originally in Urdu to English. Again, the translation is not the greatest, but it does the job. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I want to make a point on the visiting because women tend to be way better at this than, than the men. Right. They're more likely to follow up with their friends to go out of their way for them. Whereas guys, it's like we'll put in a call and it's like, how are you doing? Like, oh, I'm okay. Like, okay. You know, and it's we tend to underplay things. But, you know, even as guys, um, your brother will appreciate it if you go out of your way for him. Definitely. Even though he may not say it. but um, Definitely. And and I would say like in a modern context, even more so. Yeah. Because we're so like we're we're so like disconnected, especially emotionally and like socially and like those interpersonal skills. People just really appreciate being like acknowledged, being like taken care of. Yeah. 
So it makes a huge difference. Yeah, and it's not going to cost you a lot. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So Shay, let's say as in, as is inevitable in Islam and in all life, someone's going to die. We all die, and this person may on the sick bed may actually be on their deathbed. Mm-hmm. So, and let's say like we know this is terminal. It's not one of these questionable like are they going to make it? Not like this yeah. is it. This is the end of the time. Doctor calls you in. What should we be doing? I'm st- I'm sitting there over this person. Should I be saying, say your shahada, say it, come on, you're going to die any minute, say the shahada. Should I be yelling it like that? Or how, how do I encourage them to say that? Very good. So, so, so there, is, there is the hadith that, mm-hmm. that whoever's last words are la ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, they say the shahada, they'll enter into paradise. So there's this aspect of encouraging them to say it. Now, encouraging to say it doesn't mean that you're standing at their deathbed and you're like yelling at their ear, hey, say the shahada, say the shahada. Because at that time, people are going through difficulties and hardships. You don't know how they're going to respond. Mm. So, so the advice is not to do that because it's possible that they're like, no, I'm not going to say it. You don't know what mental state they're in. You don't know what's going to happen. So what they say is you just recite it in their presence. You keep saying it in their mm. presence. Someone keeps saying it in the room. And there's something psychologically, if you hear something being repeated, you start repeating it. And we actually did a social experiment on this during Hajj. Someone died? Or? No, we just did a joke to see how this works. Oh, okay. so, so I don't know what it was, but there was like this really catchy Arabic commercial, and part of it was "Atini telefonak." Give me your phone. Give me your phone. I don't yeah. know where this came from, but there was like four of us in a room. So three of us said we're just gonna keep saying it. Let's see what the fourth person does. So we just kept saying it like randomly, and within like fifteen minutes, the fourth guy started saying it randomly too. <laughs> <laughs> so so the, the, the guidance is that you don't directly mm-hmm. instruct them, you don't directly give them a command to say it, but you just recite it in their presence. Yeah. And again, the hope, the expectation is that they hear it and they'll say it as well. Okay. All right. The, the, the second thing that in their presence, um, it is recommended to recite Surah Yasin. Mm. Right, there's a hadith of the Prophet So before death. Before death. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the literal translation is recite Yasin upon your dead, but it's, it's interpreted to mean before when they're on their deathbed yeah. and the the wisdom behind that is that yasin um, a lot of its main topics and themes revolve around iman and the day of judgment so it's supposed to serve as a powerful reminder to them and it gives them the opportunity to reflect and kind of repent and do istighfar before leaving this world so is it too yasin. late to repent while you're on your deathbed the, the the door of repentance is 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 open until you leave this world okay. right the, the wording of the hadith is is until your soul is literally being taken out of your throat. Okay. So the last moment, you can always do Tawbah. Allah. Alhamdulillah. All right. So this person you've been reciting Yasin, they say the Shahada, inshallah, they pass away. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as I'm just I'm sitting here standing over this dead body, what are the rules of quote unquote engagement with this body? Am I allowed to touch the body any way I want? Can I kiss the forehead? Right? Yeah. Some people say these are bidah, not bidah, etc. And let's say, I'll take another step. Let's say it's someone's wife. Has my marriage technically ended at death? Can I, am I allowed to touch the body anymore? Can I see the body, etc.? Okay, so, so as soon as the person passes away, uh, the prophetic guidelines are, you know, you, you make supplication for them. Mm-hmm. You ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make things easy, to, to ease their transition into the barzakh, you know, to overlook their fault and their shortcomings. And it's said that, you know, sometimes when a person passes away, their eyes remain open. Mm-hmm. So you should close the eyelids, mm-hmm. right? Because that's kind of a scary sight where you have a deceased person and their eyes are still open and it seems like they're like looking into space or they might be looking at you. <laughs> so you close the eyes. Um, they say if the jaw is open as well, you kind of close it shut. 
because um, once especially the, if rigor sets in then it's really exactly hard. then yeah. it's hard to it's hard to adjust that yeah so that's why you see the cloth around people's mouths sometimes they're yeah. tying to, it down to tie yeah. it down right and then um um in terms of kissing you can like kiss the forehead you know there there are instances where where one companion had passed away and the prophet sallam was informed and he came to see him and he kissed him on the forehead um abu bakr radiallahu anhu did the same for the prophet when he heard about the prophet leaving this world he came in, he saw him, and he kissed him on his forehead. So that that is permissible. That's something that can be done. There's absolutely nothing wrong with crying, right? Expressing your grief and your sorrow, that's totally normal. It's a natural human reaction. It's a natural human emotion. And it's a sign of rahmah. As the Prophet said that's that nice. this is this is rahmah that Allah has placed in our hearts. Um, you know, the Prophet cried at the death of his son. He cried at the death of his, grand, uh, his grandchild as well. He cried at the death of some of the companions. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But in crying, we try to control our emotions in the sense that we're not expressing any sort of displeasure with God's decree. Mm. Right? We're not saying that, oh, you know, why did you do this? Why did you take him? Why wasn't it me instead? You know, you, you're like yeah. still in your senses, but you're crying. You're expressing that natural grief and sorrow. Um, in terms of like the relationship between husband and wife, it becomes complicated. Mm. So in the most technical sense, like <clears throat> absolutely technical black and white letter of the law, the Hanafi say that if the wife passes away, then the marriage immediately comes to an end. Really? And, and the reason why they say that is because they're looking at the marriage as a strict contract. Right? It's an aqd between two individuals. It's a contract between two individuals. So once that wife passes away, her end of the contract is done. It's come to an end and the actual nikah before them no longer exists. Okay. And because of that, that is why the Hanafis say that the husband cannot bathe the body of his deceased wife. That's just the Hanafis. The Hanafis, particularly. Okay. I'm not, I, I, I know there's other opinions. I'm not sure which Matahib hold it, but they disagree. Okay. Right. But the Hanafis are strict on this, right? The Hanafis say that the husband cannot bathe his deceased wife's body because he's no longer her husband. So it would it would have to be one of her, um, her, her children, her, her, her uncle, her father. Yeah. Siblings, siblings. So you're like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Because someone, I told someone this, like, that makes absolutely no sense. Just for the the logical part of it. Yeah. Like, hypothetically, a man has four wives, mm -hmm. and this wife dies. Could he not get married again to a fourth wife, or does he have five wives now? Yeah. She dies. She's died. She, exactly. Right. So that's exactly. that's the logic behind it. Just yeah. so people don't think these come out of nowhere yeah. and wow, so heartless. So like, it's it's contractual. They're looking yeah. at it as a contract. It's a black and white again. Which yeah. the nikah? It's a nikah contract. Correct. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Actually, the way you explained it, that. Clarifies it. I learned that, that, in, I learned that in IOK seminary. <laughs> <laughs> the second reason that you need to sign up. Spot, this whole thing is sponsored by the, IOK. The opposite, <laughs> the opposite, that if the husband passes away, mm -hmm. then the marriage is still intact with an aspect. Because she goes through her idda. Yeah. She's supposed to go through oh. the waiting period of four months and ten days. So during that idda, the nikah is still intact. The fuqaha are so smart. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> this so, is, so the nikah won't come to an end until the idda until comes. Until the idda over. Okay. So she can still, you know, touch the body, see the body. She, if she wants to help wash, wash All right, it. So I'll give you a, another question that's a little more controversial that comes off of this. Uh, okay. The person's passed away and it's been five months on so both sides. Who says Islam doesn't respect women's rights? Uh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> sorry. You go. <laughs> so let's say it's been five months on so both sides, the idda and everything's been gone. Can we have pictures of the significant other still on our phones? They're uncovered. That's a that's a difficult one, and I, I think the technical black and white would be no. Wow. Right. The technical black and white would be no because you're you're no longer married. Subhanallah. Yeah. 
That's that's a tough one. <laughs> that's that's something I didn't even think about. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you'd have to delete a whole bunch of photos. Well, you give them to your kids or something, but like right. you cannot unless you go back to the photo of the pictures or how long. There we go. <laughs> then it was it was all bad in the first yeah. place. <laughs> I think you should just become a Maliki at that point. <laughs> Do you know the opinion of the Malikis? You don't know yet. I, I don't know it, but <laughs> all right. So <laughs> you know, before pictures became like really like ubiquitous with the phones and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. There there's a famous speaker where at a conference and people were just constantly like taking pictures of him. Mm. He's like, hey, remember when pictures were haram? Like in the middle of this talk. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh. <laughs> uh, I guess so uh, we talked about marriage. Uh, you know, just asking for forgiveness and ease for them. Yeah. Uh, okay, can, can people visit when this, the body's still at, let's say they're at your house or from the hospital, we move them to your house or whatever else. Can they come visit you with the dead body there? Yes, they can. Okay. All right. They're, 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 they're like, you know, in, in the American context, we've seen so many movies and TV shows. Like, there's this whole like lying in wait. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, well, is that what, what's the permissibility on that? Where you have the where they dress the body and people come by and they yeah. take a look. Is that, is so that, that, that that goes against like the Islamic norms and etiquettes? Because they embalm it. They like yeah. fill they it up with it. weird yeah, yeah, chemicals. Yeah. They, they embalm and... it. They like dress it up. They comb the hair. Yeah. They put like a nice three piece suit and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Like I was uh, I was uh, I well this was before I knew you're not supposed to do that. I attended a non-Muslim funeral. Um, and, and he had actually fallen off of a building. So the, he, the, pers- the, the person that died, that's, yeah. I think he was doing parkour. Wow, and he, wow. yes, that's so, and, and they had a, you know, the wake and you can tell that they had to put his like, three back together and it did not look yeah. actually. Yeah. It was like, I would rather not, you yeah. know, it, so I, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. So you're so, saying so, it's not so, against so, it. Again. Yeah. And in the, in the, in the Islamic context, <clears throat> Like after, after, like when a person passes away, people can come still see them. They want to, you know, look at them one last time. Okay. But the, the general advice is to, to, to hasten the funeral process as soon as possible. What's the time? Is it like 48 hours, 24 hours? What's there, the... There's no time limit. It's just okay. as, as, as soon as things can get done, it should be done. What if I'm running out of time? Do I throw the body into the ocean like Osama bin Laden stuff? <laughs> okay, we need... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's the american fit process yeah, the american fit. Yeah, like, oh where's the body oh he's dumped in the ocean yeah. <laughs> they have to bury it yeah. I, I know i know here at some oh, of the God. muslim mortuaries after the washing mm-hmm. um they have like a little like waiting area like a staging room well the body shrouded mm-hmm. but they'll uncover the face for like the family to come say you know see you one last time okay and that's that's okay so i mean in america or the american context sometimes they'll wait weeks yeah um, whereas like I have known people here, you know, they'll get a call be like, oh, you know, your, your, your father died and we buried him. Like this is in the Middle East. Like, yeah. oh, your dad died. We buried him. We're just letting you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, you didn't even get a chance. Yeah. So, um, yeah. uh, so, so the encouragement, the encouragement is that it should be done as, as, as soon possible. as possible. As soon as possible. Okay. So, so there shouldn't be any unnecessary delays. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes like there are children in different states or different countries that want to make it back. If it's something like super like important to them and super emotional and they're like going to be upset, mm-hmm. then there's leeway, right? There's leeway to give them that time. But it's generally for the rights of the body, yeah. right? The, yeah. the body itself has Correct. certain. Okay. Correct. Like the, the, there's, there's, um, I forgot the exact wording, but there's a hadith where the deceased actually says that, hey, hurry up and take me to my, to my grave. Wow. Because there's another whole process, process. that starts yeah, exactly. in the grave, right? So going back, you, you mentioned going to like a non-Muslim's funeral. So sometimes someone's parent passes away, maybe at work or something. Yeah. Do you, do I say, they may they rest in peace? They're in heaven now. They're an angel looking over you. Yeah. And how, how do I speak so to that, them? That, that's a very, very important topic. And I think it's been highly like 
misconstrued and misunderstood and misrepresented. Mm -hmm. We are not allowed to pray for the forgiveness and mercy of any non-believer that has passed away. But that has already died. But the Prophet Prophet stood when the the Jewish procession walked by. So we'll we'll get to that. So, 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 So first and foremost, like, you can supplicate for a non-believer if they're still alive. Mm-hmm. You ask Allah, you know, Allah bless him. May Allah give them guidance. May okay. Allah guide them towards the truth. You know, may He make them. That's t- totally fine. Yeah. But once they leave this world, they are in the hands of Allah, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will do whatever He's going to do with them based on His mercy, based on His justice. Right. That's the realm of Allah. We're not there to do that. We're this don't judge in the afterlife. Based on what we knew of this person as they were alive. Correct. Okay. So if, if we know someone passed away upon disbelief, and that's what we know, there's no apparent sign that they did, accepted Islam, they didn't do the shahada on their deathbed, they died, they, we know they were like you know, atheists their whole life. Yeah. They died as a non-Muslim, we cannot pray for their forgiveness, we cannot pray for their mercy, because we can't. I can't be like, rip Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna you that, 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 that was, was happening. Yeah. yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was my point. Rip yeah, Kobe. Yeah. I mean, actually every time a big celebrity dies or someone who like advocates it's, for a Palestine, uh, they'll say rip whoever, RIP, uh, rest in peace. Um, Black Panther. Oh yeah. Chadwick. 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 Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a lot. And it happens all the time. Muslims say all right, not understand. I don't think they understand that RIP means rest in peace, which is a prayer and you're praying for a deceased non-Muslim. I mean, they'll just straight up say like, oh, like you're in heaven now watching over us. You've blessed. It's like, what is going on? Muslims say that? Yeah, they say that. Well, you're not on Twitter yet. So that's hundred percent. It never will be. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, and the biggest, the biggest evidence, the biggest proof for that is in the Quran itself. Yeah. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself says that the Prophet so, and so, the believers, so. they cannot make istighfar, <coughs> right? Even if it happens to be their relatives. And the Prophet والسلام, when his uncle Abu Talib passed away, right, he was there at the deathbed. And he was encouraging him, like, just say this one statement. If you say this one state, I can intercede on your behalf, right? And at the end of the day, Abu Talib didn't do what? He didn't say it. He, he refused to profess that faith. And because of that, the Prophet was told not to do what? No forgiveness. Don't make dua for him. And this is someone that was perhaps, like in terms of relationships, was one of the closest people to the Prophet yeah, he, he was way closer to the Prophet than you were ever close to Kobe or, or you know what I mean? So even though you may have like yeah. a, a connection, emotional connection, emotional connection with Kobe, there's no way. There's no way. There's no this, way this it his, even equates. This is his paternal uncle. Paternal uncle. That played the role of his father. Yeah. Raised right? him. Like yeah. from age of, I think from yeah. eight to 25, he stayed in his home. He protected him when, yeah. when he, be, you know, got the yeah. Risala. So it's, exactly. it's imagine the, that, that emotional uh, when the Prophet was told That's you right. cannot. I mean, the, the Prophet the best human being to yeah. walk on the face, there's the, you know, the last and final messenger himself is being told that you cannot make dua mm-hmm. for your own uncle. Yeah. So, I mean, that should be enough for all of us to like accept. Yeah. Like, we accept. And it's not like, you know, I don't know what it is, but people are like, oh, that's not fair. That's not right. That's not mercy. That's not compassion. Or are you more, are you more merciful than Allah? <laughs> are you more merciful than the Prophet yeah, People need to get that in their head, man. Yeah. yeah. So, Shaykh, how about um, condolences for Muslims? What am I supposed I think that's one of the things yeah. most people don't know what to say. Right. right. So before that, uh, so making dua for non-Muslims, a common question is, can I also attend the funeral of a non-Muslim? Oh, yes. yeah. Right. Can I participate in their funeral? Can I go to their like service or whatever it is? Yeah. So the general ruling is you can participate as long as you're not participating in any religious activity. Okay. Right. So, so stand can, there, can get buried there. Yeah. Just 
Hey, it's okay. Give the condolences to the family. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But make sure you're not participating in religious. Yes. Like, uh, is that the, is that the general ruling or is that a minority opinion? That's the general. That's the general. That's okay. the general. Okay. Like as long as you're not, you're not making dua for them, mm-hmm. you're just there to pay respect to the family. Okay. Right. You're, you know, this was a, a this was a friend of mine. This was acquaintance. We, yeah. we grew up together. Yeah. Right. Maybe it's a close family friend. You know, you're going to their funeral. You're like condoling, you know, consoling the parents. Yeah. giving them some solace that's yeah. and, okay. and you can pray for the parents actually yeah. you can like so people may not the, non, the non-muslims they won't realize you're not quote-unquote praying for them because you say god bless you and your family Give right patience yeah, yeah. yeah. you're speaking like to that. the family obviously not to the dead yeah. right correct but correct you can do that yeah. may god guide you to the straight path yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just keep yeah, yeah. It's not in there. But, yeah. but make sure you don't participate in any religious right. services otherwise a video might come out <laughs> and we'll learn about new terms that we've never heard before like libation <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's actually no. <laughs> Remember the funeral I was telling you about that I attended. At some point, you know, they carried the casket. Yeah, and you know, they were like having the the young guys like help. By the way, I was in high school. So yeah, it was a long time ago. So for some reason or other, I just felt uncomfortable touching the casket and moving it with them. Yeah, right. So I just followed them, and then they put it on this track. Okay, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess I could have put it on the track. Turns out that track went right in, and this door opens up, and it was a furnace. Oh. oh. You're cremating, cremating. the bo- Right? And I was like, alhamdulillah, I did not take part in this. This is really, really bad. And I just, because they opened it up, and it was like this huge fire. I was like, stop it, bro. Like, it's <laughs> kind of scary, like it a was, physical it was, manifestation of what could a, possibly happen. Seriously, yeah. seriously. That's crazy. It was crazy. I was standing right there, and it hit me. I was like, whoa. Uh, I did not expect that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so let's just be careful, you be know. Careful. Yeah. yeah, be careful. <clears throat> um, as for condolences to like the, the the believers, this is something the non-believers. We could just say my condolences. That's exactly. good enough. Yeah. Okay, my yeah. condol. I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. May, yeah. may yeah. God give you patience. May yeah. He bless you. Things like that. Keep it generic. Keep and general, it generic. Yeah. Right. For 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 Muslims, um, learning how to give proper condolences is really important. Right. Our Dean has a huge social component to it, particularly when it comes to interpersonal relationships. And again, just because of the way society structured and individualism, I think we've kind of lost that art. Right? We've lost our art of interpersonal relationships and just like being kind to people. And when we go to funerals and burials here, mm-hmm. it's really awkward because like you put the body in the ground and the family standing there and people kind of just like come say salam and give them a hug. And it's really awkward. People don't know what to say. People don't yeah. know what to do. Yeah. yeah. People don't know what to say. So you should offer condolences. Just like, yeah, I'm really sorry for your loss. You know, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you patience. May he give you strength. And may he give your loved one paradise. You can keep it very simple. Very simple, very straightforward. Um, I believe Sheikh Joe actually has an article on this. Sheikh Joe Bradford? Yeah. On, okay. on his website, he has a whole article on how to offer condolences. Okay, good. Right. I'll be sure to link that. Yeah, that's, so that, that's, it's, a, it's an excellent resource. And um, the Prophet Sallallahu would, would uh, make this particular statement as, 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 uh, as offering condolences. He would remind them that inna lillahi ma akhad, that whatever Allah took belonged to him. Right? Just helping that framework that look, this person that you lost belonged to Allah anyways. Hmm. It was the property of Allah. ma And whatever Allah gave you in the first place belonged to him. So just helping that build that mindset, that attitude that hey, any relationship I have in life, whether it's a wife, a child, a parent, sibling, friend, that's all from whom? Allah subhanahu Allah. And they're the property of Allah. Wakullu shayin indahu bi ajilim musamma. Yeah. Right? Everything according to Allah has its appointed term. 
Mm-hmm. Right? There's an appointed term. They're meant to live here for whatever that appointed term is, and Allah will take it back. Right? So then, then he would say, فَلْيَصْبِرْ وَلْيَحْتَسِمْ So be patient. Have sabr, right? Have that self-restraint. Have that self-control. Accept the decree of Allah. وَلْيَحْتَسِبْ And expect reward for that. Yeah. So those are simple words you can just say to anyone. They're the prophetic words. And inshallah, that'll be a source of consolation for the person as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. So, um, are we are we out of? Uh, do you have more questions? Oh yeah, yeah. So the I wanted a segue, but <laughs> well, this will help your segue. Some sometimes the person dying is not on a deathbed. The person dying is actually within the womb of a mother, mm-hmm. and we have stillborns, for example. So which is when someone gives birth to a already dead baby. Correct. Um, another time now, there was a big debate in Roe v. Wade for people's context, which just got quote unquote overturned by the Supreme Court. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> so, if someone might, let's say, someone aborted their baby. Yeah. At what point, how old does that baby have to be? And it, maybe it was for, let's not say it was for bad purposes. Like they aborted it for legitimate purposes. Mm-hmm. The mother was weak, whatever it was. Yeah. How old does that fetus have to be before we even pray Janazah for it? Um, or if it's too young, do we not worry about that? Okay. So, when it, when it comes to like, the idea of life, I think that the majority position is that the soul enters the body after 120. 120. Right? After 120 days, that is from conception. So that is when the, the child is considered to be an actual life. Yeah. So, so the, 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 the severity of aborting after that point is very high. Right? It's tantamount to murder yep. if there's no legitimate yes. reason, if there's no concession. So if someone were to abort for a legitimate reason, um, then they would, uh, they, would, they would bury the child, but they would shroud it and bury it, but there'd be no Salatul Janazah. Okay. Right, there'd be no Salatul Janazah. And the, the reason why I'm saying that is because like in the, in the books of Fiqh, it mentions if there's a stillbirth, meaning the child was born and it didn't cry, there's no sign of life, then the child will be shrouded and buried. Mm. And that's it. But if, if the child was born and there were some signs of life at first, like it cried for a bit, there was some breathing and then passed away, then you would name the child, you would wash it, shroud it and bury it. But it was alive in the womb. I mean, it was uh, until... So, so the, the life in the womb is a separate aspect of life than life outside the womb. So they make this differentiation. But sometimes a, a woman can go into labor early, very premature. Mm-hmm. I think the latest article I saw was 23 weeks they kept the baby... Uh, the baby, they, they, the baby was still alive, and he was he lived lived a life. Yeah. So, you know, at what point does that? As as soon as it comes out the womb, and if it's still alive, still it's alive. Letter of the law, letter of the law. So you have to remember, there's like difference between letter of the law and like what we think should be. And it's just this is a okay. law to keep things straight in so, order, right? No, I, I understand. For so me, it's yeah. it's still a life inside the womb, right? It's still considered okay. a life, but the reality of that life is very different than the life outside. Than the life outside. And, and, and the way they kind of like say it, like, like the, there, there's a, there was the life في عالم الأرواح, right? We don't we're remember a bunch that. of souls yeah. back then. Yeah. We don't yeah. remember that whatsoever, but that was, a, that was a type of life that we've already lived. Um, is it the, there's a certain name for it, right? عالم الأرواح. عالم الأرواح. Oh, عالم الأرواح. Okay. Right. So there was, a, there was a life that we lived before coming into this world. Okay. What it was, what the reality was, we have no clue. But we all know that we had a conversation with Allah. Right? So that happened. And then they say that there's a life in the womb of the mother. We don't remember anything from that life. But we're alive in there. Right? The soul is there. We're being, we're being fed. Right? We're being nourished. But we have no recollection of that. And then when you come into this world, it's a different reality. It's another life. 
But it's a totally different reality. When you die and you're in your grave in the barzakh, that's another life. Right? There's an aspect of life there as well. And then after the barzakh and the hereafter, that's another life. So each of these are stages of transition. So each, each stage has its own particular set of rulings to it then. Okay. All right. Beautiful. Um, do you have any questions beyond? It wasn't, no, it wasn't going to be about that actually, but you can continue. Your, okay. um, well, from here, we're going to go to cleaning a body. So if you have something in this realm, go for it. No, I just wanted to touch base on the importance of actually talking about this conversation about remembering death and talking about death and understanding right. it as a process. Right. Like, it's just like death is not the end of your life. Well, it's technically is the end of your life, but it's not the end of your... Um, well, it's the end of your dunya, li- dunya life, but not your end of your life, your soul life. Yeah, it's not the end of your soul. You had a, a life previous to this life. You're going to have uh, an existence past this life. Correct. Um, but now in our in our context nowadays, like this, what your physical existence now, people think that this is it to the point that no one wants to talk about death. Mm-hmm. If you notice the the Gen Z discourse, they don't use the word die or death anymore. They use unalive huh? <laughs> into the mic. Yeah, they li- <laughs> they literally say, oh, this person I, was unalive. I, I have to be on the Twitter feed. He's on, yeah. <laughs> on TikTok. Yeah, they'll be like, TikTok, oh, this person was unalive. This person. Oh, they don't say this person committed suicide. This person unalive themselves. Okay. Get out of here. Wallahi. So that's how uncomfortable they are. Oh, it's interesting. People are more likely to see the birth making process. Yeah. Uh, quote unquote, right? And with the Netflix and videos yeah. and TV and pornography yeah. as opposed to actually death. death. So people are way more, and it used to be flipped, right? No one would see the first part yeah. and everyone's going to visit the janazas and the death yeah. and the funerals. And now we flipped it completely. So everyone sees how babies are made, but nobody knows how, what happens after that. Yeah. So, so I guess w- w- with modernity and all like the yeah. advancements in technology and medicine, and, and perhaps you could say all the advancements in technology and medicine are to prolong life. Mm-hmm. Right. They, yeah, I mean, what the median life used, to, median lifespan used to be in the forties, fifties. Now we're like in the eighties, nineties. Some people have passed a hundred, yeah. and now you know billionaires want to upload their their consciousness to the cloud and like live, <laughs> pa- you know. So it's what, what's that, like cryogenic. What is that? Cryogenic mean? freezing. <laughs> Walt uh, Disney, man, he's out there somewhere. Uh, you know, anti aging like uh, serums. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, we don't want to get conspiratorial, but like the you know. The, the elites, yeah, the elites. You know, they get yeah, the, the, the blood of young people. Let's, let's be honest, man. Those kafar live forever. They live, the, the kafar politicians live forever. All right? Everyone long, knows it. Long lives. When, when McCain, when he died, his mom attended the funeral. Wait, what? And he was like, For real? I swear to God. I think she's alive. I don't know. He was in his late 80s, though. Yeah. And he'd been through God knows what. And his mom attended the funeral. Wow. I was in shock. Yeah. Whoa. Kafar live forever, man. Yeah. Yo, I never noticed that. Munir. <laughs> injected in their blood, for sure. 100%. You guys need to go watch Munir at like episode one versus Munir now. It's different. <laughs> He's on a different track. <laughs> so, 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 wow. So, so in the Islamic framework, death is not taboo. Yes. Right? Death is yeah. not something that we're afraid of. It's not something we brush under the rug. It's not something we discuss. Rather, death is something that we look right in the eye. Yeah. And, and it's described as the only <laughs> certainty in life. Life is just a series of uncertainties. We don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. Yeah. But we do know that we're going to die one day. Yeah. Every single human being is going to taste death. <coughs> so that is like the ultimate truth, the ultimate reality that we're supposed to accept. We're not supposed to be afraid of it, but we're supposed to prepare for it. Yeah. And that is why the Prophet would advise us um, that frequently remember the destroyer of pleasures. And the mm. companion said, Ya Rasulullah, what is the destroyer of pleasures? He said, Al-Maut. It is death. So we are taught, we are instructed 
to remember death frequently. And it's not so that you live like a life that's really like dark and you're always sad and depressed. Mm -hmm. no, so it's you realize that, hey, my life in this world is limited. Mm -hmm. My time here is finite. I'm going to transition to another life and I have to prepare for that moment. So the way we view death is not as the end of life. It's a transition from one life to another. Yeah. And that is why in Arabic, they have the statement, right, that the person has moved on to the mercy of Allah. Mm. It's not like life has come to an end. That's it. Right? We don't say you only live once. Yeah. As believers, we live forever. <laughs> forever. Right? So, so we're not supposed to be afraid of death. And I think that's really important for us to discuss like constantly in our, in our reminders and our sermons and the khutbas. Every so often, there should be a reminder of death. Right. Um, personally, we should constantly remind ourselves of death. Uh, there's advice to go to the graveyard and visit the graveyard because mm -hmm. it reminds you of death. Right. That's the main purpose behind it. So we're not afraid of it. Rather, we prepare for it. Yeah. And the way we prepare for death is by making sure our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is strong. Our relationship with others is strong. And we're doing as many righteous deeds as possible. And you're repenting for all of your misdeeds. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And you know, you will be resurrected in the state that you died, right? That's I. I'm not sure of this. Yes. Yes. So if you you know die doing something you definitely should not be doing. That's and, and and that's one of the, the the greatest barriers and preventers from committing sin. Yeah. Imagine dying while committing a sin, like of a you know alcohol overdose or something. What happens what, all the time? Whatever it may be. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it may be. Right. Imagine that your your death visits you at that moment. Uh, you know, the, I don't know if it's a good idea or not, but people have been posting these videos on social media where they show people passed away while giving a khutbah. Oh, I think I saw that one. Right. There, I think I think it was in Morocco. Yeah, he was just sitting there giving a khutbah, and and he was talking about the death of the Prophet Yeah. And as he's talking about that, he literally just stops talking. Goes, he gives the shahada and just dies That's on on the member. It's amazing on the member. So that got me thinking. Imagine if I died doing something wrong. <laughs> like it could come to you anytime. Yeah. yeah. Right? Literally anytime. You don't know when it's going to come. So it's one of the biggest things of keeping you away from sin. Yeah. That's, that's, that's why we fill, fill, your, fill your life with good deeds. Constantly be doing something. More likely, more often than not, you wow. may die doing something. I, I remember I remember when that, that, I don't know which Batman it was. It I, the, I will remember. In the theaters. Me. And there was a shooting at the theater that day. Oh, it was Dark Knight. It was the Dark Knight. I think it was Dark Knight, yeah. Right? So, so growing up, I was a huge, like, uh, I was a big movie buff. Yeah. And, and once I got married, my wife's like, we don't go to theaters. I'm like, okay, I can live with that. She's like, what if you die while you're there? I'm like, oh. <laughs> Resurrected watching Dark Knight. <laughs> so so, so I, 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 I told her, like, okay, that's like a far-fetched idea. And then this incident happens. She's like, see, I told you. Yeah, wow. I was like, okay, I accept. <laughs> wow. It's a good point. Wait, are movies haram now? <laughs> no, man. It's just a matter of okay. prioritizing your time and efforts. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else, or else I can? No, no. Go, go. Okay. Go. Conti continue with your. So this that we've gone through death. Someone's died. However, it happened. Yeah. Um, now, what's of the body? So we, we're going to take this body from the hospital or the family or home, and we're going to what's going to what's what are we doing with this body now? Cool. All right. So so the 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 first thing is that that uh, even the deceased has rights upon us. And the rights that it has upon the community is that it has to be bathed, it has to be washed. Number two, it has to be shrouded. Number three, it has to be prayed upon. And number four, it has to be buried. Okay. So all four of these are considered to be fard kifaya. They're all communal obligations. 
And what that means is that someone from the community has to be fulfilling this responsibility. Mm -hmm. If there's no one in the community doing so, then everyone becomes blameworthy. Mm. So the first step is washing the body. Now, back home, overseas, you could wash the body in your own home, right? Because there's no like um, health regulations, health regulations like and things like that. Here, um, I don't think you can, although I know some people who have done it. Mm. I don't think it's allowed. It's not legal. So the body will be taken to a morgue yeah. or a mortuary. And there's several Muslim mortuaries available now. I think, I think Garden Grove Masjid perhaps is the oldest. It has it, you know, Islamic Society of Orange County. Um, I believe there's one in Corona, Fontana. The Walnut Masjid has it as well. So there's an organization here that takes care of that. So you call them up and they will, you know, once the death certificate is uh, released, they will come pick up the body and they will bring it to one of these mortuaries where the body can be washed. Um, what, what they do is they put the body on like a metal. Um, it's actually about as big as this table. Probably. Right. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. like a metal platform. Yeah. It's a it, little tilted. right? Yeah. It has a drain in it. Mm -hmm. And they have like the setup there for you to wash the body. Yeah. Right. Now, this is something um, that I believe everyone should volunteer to experience. Yeah. Just because it brings that reality home. Right. We all hear about death. We've all seen images of death, perhaps on TV and movies and things like that. But there's nothing like actually witnessing it. Like they say, mm. right? there's nothing like actually experiencing it. So what you do is you wash the body and it's called and you start off by performing wudu on the body. That is the prophetic. Oh, my, my kufi is all messed up. Do you want you? I mean, if the headphones are uncomfortable, you no, can. That, that takes. I didn't even notice that. It looked like a yarmulke for a <laughs> Wait, Sheikh, take off the headphones, put them back on because I don't want your hair to. Here's my stuff. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, put it from the front. You bring it back a look. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, you, you perform wudu on the body. Okay. So just like you do wudu in real life, you perform wudu on the deceased. But obviously, you will not rinse the mouth and rinse the nose because mm -hmm. if you put water, it's not coming back out. Yeah. All right. Then you're supposed to wash the body three times. All right. From head to toe, it's washed three times, and the main purpose of this is for cleanliness. And there's one part where um, you will sit the body up and you'll kind of rub the belly gently. So if there's anything remaining, it will come out, right? Any, any filth that's remaining will come out and you do one final, final washing. And the, the water should have some sort of fragrance on it. So you can use soap, you can use shampoo to make sure everything's nice and clean. And then you're going to dry off the body and you're going to put camphor on the masajid, the parts of the body that turn, touch, touch, touch the ground when you're in sajda. So the forehead, the two hands, the two knees, and the two feet. And then you're going to shroud the body. Sorry, what, what, did, you, what did you say we put on there? Camphor. What's camphor? It's a scent. It's a scent. It's a, it's oh, a, it's oh. a type of fragrance. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Um, so, so the bathing process, um, again, you, you need a few people to do it. It's yeah. hard to do it on your own. Um, usually it's going to be the immediate family members and someone from the morgue, someone from the mortuary that helps out. But the body should be washed a total of three times. All right, once the body's washed, then you're going to shroud it and you shroud it uh, in, in something that's known as a kafan. All right, kafan is basically the Arabic word for shroud. And for men, it's three pieces of cloth. There's a large piece of cloth called the lifafa. So you put that on the, uh, on the table first. All right, you put the lifafa, which is like a large sheet, a white, white sheet. And then on top of that, uh, you put what they call the izar. The izar, in, in, in when you're alive, it's the lower garment. All right, it's like a waist cloth, lungi. But the izar is essentially another sheet. 
just as big as the lifafa. <coughs> and the third thing you put is a qamis. Now, qamis is usually a shirt, but this is more like a poncho. So it's a sheet with a hole in the middle for the head. So you put these three sheets down, and then you put the body on top. So first you, you bring over the qamis, over the head. So now the body's covered. Then you wrap the izar, and you wrap the lifafa. And that is the kafan. This is shrouded in these white pieces of cloth. Like what, about, what about paying like $10,000 for a coffin? Coffins are not recommended. If you have to, because there's a regulation, some yeah. graveyards have that, then you, sh- you have no option. But they say you should still put some dirt. Fill the, fill the coffin with dirt, yeah, right? Put some dirt inside the coffin. But ideally, you should just put it in the shroud and no coffin. I've seen this thing uh, where they try to do these, they're called like ecological burials, where they, they bury you in like a, like a, some sort of like Bio. sack, biodegradable sack. And then essentially like, a, and they put like a tree and then the, the, the tree feeds on you and it, you know, something like permissible. So like essentially you feed a tree, a new tree. Okay. I, I, I thought, I saw that. I was like, that, that looks wrong. I didn't <laughs> pass judgment, you know? So yeah. what, what <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I, I should I, ask. I, I don't know about that. You don't know about. Okay. I don't know about that. You don't know about that. Okay. But but ideally, you should just put it in the in the in the white shroud. Okay. Right. That is the recommendation. That is the sunnah. And uh, if if you can avoid having a coffin, there shouldn't be a coffin. Okay. Yeah. How about so? I heard in Sunday school the martyrs don't get. Hold on. It's uh, it's close to time. Do you, do you need to go right now? No. Twelve. Twelve is fine. Oh, you said twelve. Okay. Yeah, so I heard in Sunday school, martyrs don't get sh- washed and shrouded. They just get thrown into the grave because they're martyrs in mashallah. They go straight to Jannah. Yeah. And then I also heard another hadith that I could be a martyr if I die in a collapsed building, a car accident, a stomach, yeah. drowning, blue, drowning, fire, right? So if my so I'm in a country that's getting bombed and someone dies in a collapsed building, I don't do I have to wash them and shroud them? Or? Okay, very good. So, so there are different classifications of martyrs. Mm. Right? There are different classifications of shuhada. Um, there is one specific type of martyr whose body will not be washed. They will be buried and shrouded in their clothes that they, they, they were killed in. Um, and those are the ones that actually died on the battlefield. So they are engaged in, I'm going to use the J word. Right? Jihad. So yeah. Safe space. <laughs> we're, this we're, is, this we're, you told me. I, okay. It's <laughs> jihad. <laughs> so so th- those who passed away in jihad, whether it was defensive, whatever it may be, and they actually died on the battlefield. So their body will not be washed. They'll be buried in their clothes that they passed away in. Um, the other categories of shuhada, like dying from impact. The, the plague or impact or drowning or a building collapsing on you, um, they are shuhada in terms of reward. Okay. Right? In terms of reward, they will get the same reward as a martyr. They'll be with them in the hereafter. But for funeral purposes, they're treated like anyone else. Okay. So their body will still be washed and bathed. They'll still be shrouded. The Salatul Janazah will still happen upon them. All right. That covers it. That covers it. Now, this body's been cleaned, ready to go. Um, where do I take the body? So, talk about buying a plot of land. Yeah. Uh, doesn't Allah say in the Quran, yeah. No one knows what earth they're going to die in, so why should I even buy a plot Is of land? dying right now? It's expensive. Yeah, seriously. Huh. So how like, much is it in Sogia? Well, for first, it starts off with the pharmaceuticals. <laughs> right, your hospital stay. Does anyone know what the average hospital stay is? Per I, don't, night? I don't want to know anymore. I don't know. The last hour is like thirty, forty thousand dollars. Wait, what? A night in the hospital. Oh wow, it's insane. That's what they're charging the insurance company. <laughs> forty grand. Wow. And right now, 
Um, because of but your dead don't pay. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, your family will though. They'll come. Exactly. They'll get it. They'll get it. They'll get it somehow. Um, right now, burial is really expensive. It's wow. really expensive to die, and that's because just prices for everything have increased, and the plots of lands are limited, so the demand is high as well. So there's one particular graveyard here, where I think the whole entire cost is twenty three thousand dollars for one. $23,000. I can't afford to die. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But this is a fard kife on it's the community. So if someone can't afford it, what's so up? Th- th- there are organizations there that help out. If someone's unable to afford that, then they have their contacts that they'll reach out to and they'll collect Sadaqah on behalf of them and, and, and take care of it. So so there there is an idea. I mean, first and foremost, there should be someone who's concerned for this. There has to be some organization. There has to be a group of people that's actively looking to establish a Muslim cemetery that's affordable. So in SoCal, um, there are a few. Um, there's one in Westminster that has a Muslim plot, but that's the most expensive. Mm. Um, I heard there's one in Lake Forest that's a lot cheaper, but I believe you have to use a coffin there, and it's not like 100% Muslim plot. Let's just go to Apple Valley. Yeah, You know, you know where that is? It's uh, north of like... Um, you know, there's like San Bernardino and then there's mountains. There's yeah. a town north of that. Yeah. So uh, maybe like two hours drive. Okay. There's nothing there. Yeah. So th- there's one in Lancaster like that. Okay, yeah. So there's a, there's a Muslim cemetery in Lancaster. Probably but, empty. But we have a joke there that if you bury your loved one there, the next time you'll see them is Yom Al-Qiyam. Because <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to drive 90 miles to go visit the grave. Hey, but at least you died debt free. You know? <laughs> <laughs> My God. Okay. So, well, so it's, it's it's expensive. Yeah. It's, so should I should I buy a plot before I die? There we go. Yes. I just want to get that, to. That's like yes. If you're if you're planning ahead and you're preparing, you don't want to put your loved ones in like financial difficulty. It's a good idea to buy a plot beforehand. That's just part of preparing for death. Okay. Right. Have and, your will and, and, and the, buy a plot. Yeah, in the reality that we live in today, it's it's part of preparing for death. Have a plot ready to go. Okay. It'll just make things easier for your for your family, your loved ones. And honestly, dealing with that when you lose a loved one sucks. Like you just lost a parent. And now you have to like Cut, figure out 20 grand. Yeah, yeah. You have to figure that out or you have to do all the paperwork and stuff. It's, it's a headache. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So th- we have, we know where we're going. I have the body. I know where I'm taking it. Um, but before we take it there, we got to pray for it. Correct. Right? Uh-huh. So, and it's interesting. I, mean, I, I go to these Janazah prayers. The body's never in the masjid. Yeah. But typically it's not in actual physical masjid. Why is that? Why aren't we praying for it in where we think? Very good. So, so there, there is, there is a legitimate difference of opinion amongst the fuqaha yeah. if you can perform Salatul Janazah in the masjid or not. So the Hanafis, they're the strictest on this. They say that Salatul Janazah should not be performed in the masjid. And they argue uh, mostly using like somewhat like rationalizing it by saying that the masjid is for the living, it's not for the dead. And if you bring the body, a corpse in the masjid, then there's a possibility of there being najasa. Right? There's a possibility of some sort of filth being brought into the masjid and you know, causing the masjid to become dirty. So you pray the Salatul Janazah outside. And they say that the Prophet Sallallahu when he would perform Janazah, he would perform it in the Musalla outside, not inside Masjid Nabawi. Hmm. So those are the arguments they use. But other have say no problem. As long as you can ensure that there's no filth that's going to be like dropped in the Masjid, there's no problem with it. So they, they, the, the most modern Masajid come up with like a in-between. So what they do is they have a space for the body outside the Mihrab. So in, in the front of the masjid, the, 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 the front wall, mm-hmm. they'll have like a little space in front. Like in the Garden Grove Masjid, there's like the mihrab where mm-hmm. the imam stands. 
and then there's like a sliding door that opens and there's a space for the body there yeah right uh, here in the walnut masjid they just have a door they put it outside the door so, so the, the body goes in front of you when you pray correct okay correct. so so the, the way you perform the salat of janazah is that the body uh is in the direction of the qibla and it's horizontal right the head is to the right and the feet are to the left okay. so the body is there in front of you and the imam is going to stand um across from the chest of the deceased across from the heart now there's also ikhtilaf here as well that the other madahib say if it's a man you're going to stand across from the chest it's a woman you're going to stand in the middle because it's astar it's more covering mm. right but the hanafi say it doesn't matter man woman you stand across from the heart because the heart is the place of iman and belief and things like that so you stand the imam will stand there and then you form rows behind and it's recommended that regardless of how many people are there you should at least make three rows because mm-hmm. there's a hadith of Prophet that whoever three rows of people pray Salat al-Janazah upon, then Jannah becomes wajib for that person. So try to make three rows if possible. Yeah. The larger the number of people in Salat al-Janazah, the better. Right, because you have more Muslims. And so this is an interesting point. So like non-Muslims, when they die, they invite people to a funeral. But as a Muslim, it's actually very common for you to pray for people you've literally never heard of until the day you shut up for the and like Janazah prayer. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> The, the more the more you pray the more people pray for you the better like, wasn't a Turkish Sheikh who just passed away that was crazy at Sheikh like 1.2 million huh people? I, I, heard, I heard three million was it three million okay I heard yeah, was, was it the blue was it at the blue mosque uh, to be honest I wasn't sure because like, I, I saw the picture from so far away yeah. it was just a sea of people just a sea of people yeah it is amazing three million three million people mm-hmm. praying janazah yeah. yeah all right so in in the Salat al-Janazah um, um, it, it's a prayer Right? And the whole purpose of the prayer is dua. Uh, there is no iqama, there's no adhan. Uh, there's not even a sajda. Yeah, there's no sajda. So you can stand up really close to each other. Exactly. Yeah. Right, exactly. <clears throat> and um, the imam is going to do four takbirs. Right? The, the janazah prayer is four takbirs. After the first one, you're going to recite the thana, right? the opening supplication of prayer. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik wa tabarak asmuk wa ta'ala jadduk wa jalla thana'uk wa la ilaha ghayruk. And you can recite Al-Fatiha along with it. So you're going to do that after the first takbir. After the second takbir, it's the Salah Ibrahimiyyah. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad until the end. Then after the third takbir, you make dua for the deceased. Now there are several adi'iyah that are mentioned in hadith. So there's the famous one, Allahumma ghfir li hayyina wa mayyitina wa shahidina wa ghaibina. That's masnoon, right? That comes from the sunnah. Then there's Allahumma ghfir li jami'i mawtul muslimin. Until the end, that's also from the Sunnah. So, every Muslim ideally should have these adi'ah memorized. All right, that should be the gold standard. Everybody in the community should memorize these adi'ah. Um, the problem is here in America, we don't really pray Salatul Janazah that often. Yeah. It's very rare. It's very rare. If you, if you go to Umrah or Hajj, every single prayer, every, every, prayer. Single, yeah. every single the prayer. The first time I went and they, they were. They announced Salat al-Janazah. I asked the guy, I was like, who was this? I thought it was like a, 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 a VIP. He's like, I don't know, some guy. <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, so Literally after every single yeah. prayer. Yeah. Several of them. Right. But here we don't have the opportunity. No. So if we have the dua memorized, that's awesome. Because the purpose is to make dua for the deceased. Yes. Right? That is the whole purpose of Salat al-Janazah. Now for those of you who don't have the dua memorized, you can say, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adab al-nar. If you don't have that memorized, you can just say Allahumma ghfir lahu, Allahumma ghfir lahu. If it's a she, Allahumma ghfir laha. Very simple. Awesome. 
Where, where do our hands go in Janaza? I know there's different, so you say the Allah Akbar, does the hand go down or to uh, your stomach? So, so according to the Hanafis, yeah. you only raise your hands with the first takbir. Mm-hmm. So you raise your hands at the first takbir, then you tie them, and they remain tied until the end. And after the fourth takbir, you do salam on both sides. Uh, the Maliki is the same thing. The Shafi'is and Hanbalis, you raise your hands with every takbir. Okay. So raise it and tie it. So we, oh, we went first takbir, let's just say Fatiha, second one, Tahiyat. Or, or sorry, Salat Ibrahim. Salat Ibrahim. Uh, third one, du'a. du'a. And then the fourth one, technically nothing, right? Nothing. So you say Allah Akbar, and then we're gonna slam right out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. I heard I heard this thing. I don't remember which sheikh I heard it from, but and maybe it wasn't a sheikh. But I'll, I'll, I'll just tell. I'll just say it. Um, like when you're born, you know, uh, someone whispers the adhan into your ear, right? And then when you die, they pray janaza without um, making the adhan. So that's like. That's the time span of your life mm-hmm. between the you know the then and the iqama and like it's the time the, to. That's play. just one of those like nice memes. Is yeah. it like yeah, a meme yeah, thing? Yeah, is yeah, it yeah, a meme yeah. thing? Okay, it is. Yeah. It's just something. You know, I think it was like Sheikh Hamza Yusuf said. Yeah. I think that's where I may have heard of yeah. them actually. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's a nice reflection. It is a reflection. Yeah. It's just yeah. to make you realize that life is short. Yeah, yeah. this part of your uh-huh. you know soul existence is not. Yes. So there's long. no iqama. There's no adhan exactly. You're just gonna stand up and pray, and that's it. That's it. You're done. Now, now there is a common practice here that that has started recently. Is that after Salatul Janazah, the Imam does dua out loud? What do you mean, common practice? Here, like yeah, in SoCal, like most janazas that have okay. attended, they will do the Salatul Janazah, and then immediately after the dua. Is that bidah? I'm not going to go there. Okay. I, won't, I won't declare it to be that, but the whole, that's like redundant. The whole purpose of Salatul Janazah is dua, anyways. Mm. Right, and that's not it's not established from like the practice of the prophet. Yeah. That you, you okay, do so I'm bit <laughs> <laughs> so uh, little b, little b. Okay, uh, uh, all right. So let's. Oh, okay. Here's another good one because we we've talked about prayer, but how about suicide? This person, God Very forbid, good. has committed suicide. Oh, Can we yeah. even pray janazah for the prophet? I said didn't pray janazah for them. I heard. What if they're mentally ill? So 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 there is a lot of confusion regarding this. So first and foremost, there's like the actual ruling of suicide itself. Right, which everyone across the board agrees is totally impermissible. Yeah. Right. We do not have the right to take our own lives. Right. That's something from Allah. That's only for Allah to decide and determine. But unfortunately, because of mental health issues and problems and depression, whatever, whatever the cause may be, people from our community do commit suicide, and it's actually more common than we think. It is more common than we think, and and uh, the reason why I know this is that one of the brothers that runs the mortuary service, right, he always tells me that hey, this person was actually a suicide. And he's saying at least 30 to 40 every year come through. 30 to 40 a year. That's a lot. From one guy that you know. From one guy that I know. He's that's saying, that's he's saying, like one every week almost. Nah, it's crazy. Wow. And he's saying, and he's saying that it's, such, it's so taboo that the family doesn't reveal it. SubhanAllah. But he says, I see the death certificate. Oh. And it says the cause of death. So he's saying it's, it's, it's more common than you think. It does happen. So that's another aspect of addressing that in the community and like talking about that. If okay. a person committed suicide and they did so knowing that it was wrong, they didn't say, oh, this is halal, God allows me to do this. They still die as a Muslim. Right? They're still Muslim. They still have rights upon you. So you can pray their salatul janazah. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. So not like physician-assistant suicide. Yeah. That's, that's out of the question. Yeah. But the, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can still pray salatul janazah. That's a common misunderstanding that people have that you can't pray the salatul janazah. But no, you can't. Okay. They're still Muslim. They died upon iman. They died as believers. You still pray the salat. They need your dua more than ever now. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Very good. Very good. So now we've taken this spot. Actually, check the time real quick. It, I, I think make... we should. We need to wrap it up. Actually, it's five minutes. All right. 
Well, we can take a break here. <laughs> we'll stop here. Now we need because after this, we want to talk about the burial itself. Mm-hmm. Things happen there. After it's buried, what can we do? And that, that'd really wrap it up. Okay. So short break. We'll do a little mini break. Yeah. Mini break. Break. Okay. Yeah, we'll break. We'll pause it. Break. Be back in five. <laughs> we took a little break, but now we're back. So we have a few more final questions before we wrap up this. Uh, yes. Right. We, this, this we have visited a sick person. Took them to their, we're at their deathbed. They've passed away. We've watched the body. We've had a plot of land, prayed over them. And now we're going to get to the actual burial. Mm-hmm. Um, picking up this, so it gets transported from the masjid, gets in the car, goes all the way to the burial site. What? They're going to pull it out. Mm-hmm. What happens now? Who's carrying it? What am I saying? Well, do I have to carry it? Do I rotate yeah. in a circle to offer on this thing? Like, yeah. What's going on here? So, so, so there, are, there are different like, etiquettes and teachings of, of carrying. Uh, the body of the deceased to the grave and there is reward for participating right there is reward for giving a shoulder they say giving a shoulder to the deceased and taking it mm-hmm. so there is reward for doing so um, the method that's mentioned in the books of fiqh is that you do rotate you start with your right shoulder in the front and it's like the body's being passed you're not really walking yeah. with it the actual way is the body's being passed forward so as it's being passed forward it'll end up with the back of the body on your right shoulder and then you get back in line on the left hand side in the front, and it gets passed over your left shoulder until it goes to the back. That's the front re- to back, front to back. Correct. Okay. All right, that's the real way of doing it. That's mentioned in the books, but practically implementing that is quite challenging because most people have no clue what they're doing. They don't know how to organize it. So most people to do is just make two lines on each side, and you'll carry the body, and people just take turns carrying it. And even that's perfectly fine. Now you'll hear a lot of people, like especially from the Desi community, as they're carrying the body, they're like. Say kalima shahada out loud. Yeah. And people say, yeah, you know, out loud. Um, I don't know if that being from any narration. Um, I wouldn't recommend doing it like out loud. But at that moment, you should be doing some sort of dhikr mm-hmm. and dua silently. Okay. Right? Because it's, it's a moment of reflection. It's a moment of like thought. It's a reminder. Um, oftentimes, unfortunately, what happens is because we're perhaps we're desensitized to death and loss, that the, the, the funeral, especially at the graveyard, becomes like a reunion of sorts and people are like talking about sports joking around talking about i don't know cryptocurrency and investments at the graveyard and it's kind of like, like what's going on here it's a detachment from what yeah. here yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so so you should keep keep yourself like you know keep keep like a solemn attitude remember death do some dhikr dua so you do carry the body and you'll bring it close to the grave you'll put it down now the way it is is like it's in like a metal there's a metal platform, there's a cage on top. So you take the cage off, then you have the body. Um, what, the way they do it here is you have three people that sign paperwork that will go into the grave because it's like liability for the graveyard, yeah. things like that. So you have usually three family members sign and they go into the grave. And you have people up top pass the body to them inside. So as the body's being passed and placed in the grave, it's sunnah to say, Bismillah wa ala millati rasulina with the name of Allah and upon the way of the Messenger of Allah. So you're reciting that as the body is being lowered into the grave. Now the sunnah is you're supposed to um, enter the body through the direction of the qibla. Hmm. Just whatever the side of the qibla is, you put the body through that direction. And the way you place the body in the grave is that the face should be towards the qibla, ideally. Hmm. Now the, 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 the recommended grave that we're supposed to have is called laht. It's an L-shaped grave. So you dig down straight, uh, usually the height of the body and then you make a niche on the right hand side so it's a niche and you're supposed to put the body 
in that niche on its right side towards the qibla then you close off the niche with like dirt or baked bricks and then you fill the grave with dirt you can't do that here because it's yeah. not, right yeah over here every grave is like standardized because There's of those same safety requirements requirements yeah. and yeah. whatever the regulations yeah. are yeah. so the grave is just straight down and the grave is also a concrete box so they actually put a concrete box in the grave mm-hmm. yeah so so you're going to put the body. earthquakes here yeah. yeah so you put the body inside that there's dirt right there's dirt there and you put the body uh the the people three people inside will kind of like lift it and tilt it towards the qibla and put dirt to keep it up like that and then they come out the grave and the tractor comes and puts a lid on top mm-hmm. the concrete lid so there's dirt inside yeah but there's not going to be any dirt on directly on top of the body. Mm-hmm. Then they close that lid, and that's when people come now throw dirt over, over the deceased. Do you need to leave room on top? I I heard one time we had a genaz- very interesting janaza, and like you need to leave room for their head to so they can sit up and answer the questions of the angels. <laughs> there's nothing like that. Okay, yeah, All right. So so then then you do participate in throwing dirt, and there's a lot of reward for doing so, and there is a weak riwayah. That mentions you say uh, those verses from Surah Taha. Right? Minha khalaqnakum wa fiha nu'idukum wa minha nukhrijukum taratun ukhra. So, minha khalaqnakum from it we created you. Wa fiha nu'idukum to it we're going to return you. Wa minha nukhrijukum taratun ukhra and from it we'll bring you about again. Mm-hmm. There's a weak riwayah, but because it's fada'il, you can practice on it, it's okay. It's rewarding. Yeah. It's rewarding and it's a reminder for people as they're, as they're throwing So is it three well. three handfuls, right hand, left hand, both hands, does it matter? Both hands, okay. both hands. And all, all these are recommendations. <coughs> yeah. Right? There's not like fuddled wajib. You don't so I can throw one handful and move on if I want without even saying anything. One. I say bismillah. Correct. Okay. Correct. There's no like exact process that you have to follow. Yes. Okay. All right. So so once, once, the, once the dirt is thrown on top, everyone's kind of participated, then the tractor comes and like fills in the rest of it they kind of make it, you know, into a mound or mm-hmm. whatever. And then <coughs> usually if there's an imam there, the people will gather and they'll make one final dua. Like there'll be a short reminder about death and then the imam will make dua for the deceased and mm-hmm. their family. What about the women? Are they allowed to be present or is that a difference? Amazing question. So that, that is an important question. And I've seen the gradual like evolution of this over the past. I've been back for like 12 years now. Mm-hmm. Like I've been back since 12 years. So initially when i came back it was almost unheard of that sisters would come they would not even come to the graveyard there'd be no space for them there it was just a guy's thing slowly gradually you started seeing sisters coming that stand to the back and they'd just be there and now it's like full-on we're participating mixed yeah yeah it's like full-on they just came they, they throw the dirt as well i don't know where that came from and how that started but that's like the norm um according to the hanafis it is permissible it is for the women to be for women to be present to be there as long as they can control their emotions hmm. like there's no wailing there's no like, that's so true of the men are too yeah. actually right? exactly yeah. right as long as there's no wailing there's no crying there's no like overly excessive behavior whatever yeah. it may be and obviously that 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 they you know the proper etiquette should be observed like just like the etiquettes of a masjid should be observed the etiquettes of the graveyard should be observed there should be gender segregation there shouldn't be like free mixing at the graveyard, especially at the graveyard. Yeah. All right. People should take their time. People should be dressed appropriately. Should women be throwing dirt? Is that part of it? So, so I, I haven't come across any like strict prohibition for it. So technically they could. Okay. But I don't. But you don't I, want to be separated yeah. as you do that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I attended one in Egypt. I think Egypt's mainly Shafi's, yeah. and the women were like, 
way in the back. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even I could barely see them. Yeah. In, in Pakistan, they don't. Yeah. They don't participate yeah. in any aspect of the funeral. They didn't touch the body. Yeah. They weren't near the body. Yeah. They like left, and then the men were there before and after. They yeah. were just there, just watching it being brought in. Yeah. But yeah, and, Do, and Saudi is strict. They follow the strict Hanbali position that women can't even go to the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you said afterwards the imam will stand, give like a reminder and du'a. Mm-hmm. Do we do eulogies in Islam? So where we say he was a good man, he was a good father and a good husband. And so, so like in, in the sense of like a full on eulogy, we have these like prep statements and you're just like overly praising the person. There are hadith where it says that the angel says, ah, were you really like that? Were you really like that to the person? Oh, no. <laughs> so you can do a eulogy, but it should be fair. It should be balanced. Right, you're, we're encouraged to remember the good things about the deceased, not the bad things. Okay, so you can mention some qual- You know, this was a person of iman. This was a person that came to the masjid. They were generous. They were good to their families. That that's perfectly fine. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. You, you don't want to be over the top, over the prepped, top. prepped type of thing. Just like good yeah. man. Just, yeah. you know, may Allah, yeah. may Allah forgive. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly. Good. Um, in terms of like, so you can make again du'a there. That's recommended. There's there's that was the practice of the Prophet Sallam to make that's du'a so. as well. Um, it is said that the family should remain, right? After the burial is complete, the family should remain for a, a certain amount of time because it says that the soul of the deceased finds comfort in that. Hmm. It gives them comfort because the angels are going to come. Yeah. Right? Those two angels are going to come and ask those questions immediately. That the person is going to be propped up, you know, man rabbuk, ma dinuk, man nabiyuk. Those questions are going to happen. So the family being there gives them that comfort, gives them that confidence. So the family should remain there. And as the family is remaining there, they make dua. Allahumma thabitu bil qawli thabit You know Allahumma ghafir Keep making dua for the person Do you remind them of the answers? I've heard that I haven't heard that okay. but what yeah, I think the, I saw that happen one time yeah. Yeah. We, we saw a guy yelling at the grave yeah. <laughs> the Oh was that the end? Slow like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. The dua I heard is Allahumma thabitu bil qawli thabit So give them, give them the firmness on that, that yeah. answer On that answer Were they bra- bra- bravely? Bra- uh, bra- I don't know They man. do interesting things in there I think they told us they're like something's gonna happen if uh, if you don't want to be here leaving. I think we walked away and then the guy kind of started going like crazy, crazy on the grave. Yeah, I've heard reciting parts of Baqarah at the head or feet yeah. of the. So, so, so there is a riwayah in Mishkat al-Masabi. Again, it's 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 weak. Yeah, but it says that at the head you recite the opening verses of Baqarah okay. and at the feet the ending verses. Just like what the first five and then the last two, I would assume. Yeah. Okay, yeah. exactly. So okay. If, if someone does that as a as a practice for Fadlai. I think that's that's, that's okay. okay. Cool. That's okay. So that, I th- and then also Yasin at the grave. Oh yes. Yeah. Because it's the ala motakum, you can interpret it both ways. Mm. So if if someone were to recite Yasin at the graveyard, that would also be okay. Okay. Cool. Um, oh, this comes up sometimes. We're there, and it's also time. Do we pray at the graveyard? Yeah. So 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 as as long as you're praying in a space and in a way that you're not praying towards the grave. And people don't think that you're praying to a grave. It's okay. Okay. So you find an empty plot, and yeah. everyone's gonna know like you're obviously not praying to some dead it's, person. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Then it's yeah, it's fine. All right. Um, so this person's been buried. You've you stayed. You made your dua. You've left. You and sometimes people like are, and slow. They like to go back to the masjid and they do like a whole dua, like a long, long dua for the person. And uh, that was I think you're mentioning like that one's maybe I wouldn't do that one, but. Uh, they also that, do a khatm. There we yeah. go. So I want to get to that one. That's yeah. very common. Yeah. Someone passes away. They say, okay, this weekend, the family's inviting you guys to the masjid and they'll be they'll bring food yeah. and everyone's going to take a juz yeah. and we're going to recite the Quran as a reward for this yeah. person. Is that so, okay? So, so in the Desi culture, it's called Quran Khani. And it's a very, very common practice. So as long as it's being done in a way where people don't think this is sunnah, 
Mm-hmm. People don't think this is a prophetic practice. It's not an aspect of deen. It's not fard. It's not wajib. And they're just doing it to kind of like gift the reward to the deceased. It's fine. But that should be clarified. Mm-hmm. Right? People should make it known that this is not a prophetic practice. This is not an act of worship that we know of for sure. But we're just doing this to gift to the deceased. Then it, it doesn't fall into that realm of being bid'ah. So what can you gift? So, can you give to Umrah, Hajj? Good. So, so the explicit things is that you can get the, they, they classify acts of worship into like three categories. So there's those that are strictly physical, like praying and fasting. Mm-hmm. So you cannot pray and fast on behalf of the deceased. Okay. Like you can't make up their missed prayers for them. You can't make up missed fast for them, but you can pay a penalty on their behalf. Ah, okay. You can give fidya. Because so some uh, women, they have, they'll say, tell people before you die how many days you had left. Correct. And for that reason, not to fast them, but to pay off to the pay off that. Okay. Correct. But you can fast and you can say, you know what, the reward of this fast, I would like them to receive it. That's but that's different than making up a correct. mandatory fast that they have that's for Ramadan. That's different than fasting on their behalf. Okay. Right? Um, you can do Umrah and Hajj on their behalf because that's explicitly mentioned in Hadith. Okay. Those, those two acts of worship particularly, as mentioned in Hadith, you can do that on their behalf. Then any good work, you can do it with the intention of them getting some reward for it. And that's totally fine. Like you'd be like, you know what, I'm reading this Quran and I'm doing it to gift the reward to, you know, my, my deceased father. Okay, okay. Right. And obviously make dua for them. Yes, obviously. Of course. Because actions end at death except for three things. Mm-hmm. And one of them is like a child. A righteous child that supplicates for you. Okay. Yeah. Um, and of course, charity on their behalf. Yes. Right. Charity on their behalf. Any, any sort of wealth, like um, any sort of endowment, any sort of um, whatever it may be. Yeah, like Sheikh Tahir Anwar in the Bay Area, he's, he's saying some families will come and they'll do this big condolence dinner or whatever else, or they'll waste their money on weird things for the like the grave or whatever it is. He's like, give me that money and I can build you a masjid in India and they're going to get the reward of that masjid until Yom al Qiyamah. Exactly. So you can be very smart about this, their inheritance or whatever it else. You can take that money and do something well that's just going to keep going for them. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Or or like a well or whatever. Yes, yes. And, and, and your dollar goes a long way overseas. Yes. A long, long way. And because you brought up inheritance, and that's an important aspect. Yeah. That, that the last aspect. There we go. Before a person passes away, they should have a written will. MyWasia.com. Yeah, exactly. Joe Bradford, please. So it turns out, I, I found out, it's it's not completely like state binding. Wait, if you can, what you should really get is a trust. Then the then the yeah. trust will actually take care of it, and it, you, in the trust you have to like word it like you, you can't say by Ahmed, laws. Ahmed Sheikh does it. Yeah. So if you go on his on this thing, you get a consultation. Planning. Yeah, exactly. there you go. Exactly. Some some people check your work. Like I know my job has like a benefit where you can get really cheap, right? inexpensive trusts. Yeah. So you might have like a legal counsel or some type of benefit. So look into that because then you can get a trust for very inexpensive. Yeah. You have to do the calculations yourself. Yeah. They're not going to do it for you. So you're going to be like, all right, based on my family. Yeah. 20%, 30 40%, 40%. Yeah. So, so this is really important because unfortunately, money causes problems. More money, more problems. It's true. Subhanallah, yeah. When someone dies especially, yeah. it's like you think that's not on I mean, someone's I, mind. But I, I, I've seen where like relationships between siblings are ruined because of these things. Assets, yeah. yeah. It gets ruined. Like They haven't spoken to each for like 20 years. Who gets the house? Who gets the car? Exactly. Gets the, yeah. it's, 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 it gets nasty. So all these things to avoid that should be clarified before death. And the best way is by having an actual document that's attested, that's you know legally binding, that's recognized, that people could follow so to avoid all these issues and all these problems. Mm-hmm. And in terms of like the inheritance laws are there, it has set set portions that, that just goes to the heirs. But up to one third of your estate, 
you can do a wasiya, you can bequest, and you can give that to whatever you want. If it's an individual, if it's a, you know, a project, a masjid, an organization, up to one third of your estate you can give. But after that one third, everything goes to the normal channel of inheritance. Yeah, because sometimes you see like a famous uh, uh, Bill Gates, famous. Is it, oh, Bill Gates does it? He'll give 1% or whatever it is. Let's say 1% or 1.1. I can't remember. It's going to go to his kids and the rest is going to give it away. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, that's, that's actually the little like, yeah. You're like, oh, that's yeah. great. Well, they're going to be millionaires anyway. Who cares? No, you, that's like, you don't need to decide. Actually, they actually get to be million, billionaires. <laughs> you know what's interesting? People <laughs> like, oh, Muslim, your inheritance laws are so backwards. Women get half. In certain scenarios, they don't know that, but in certain scenarios, they get half of what a man gets. You know what's amazing? These people criticizing us. I'm sorry, how much do you get guaranteed? Yeah. How much do you get? Zero, Nothing. baby. Zero. You know, it's a famous movie, Disney movie, 90s or 80s maybe, Aristocats. Yeah. Maybe you guys remember it. It's a fat, this widow, rich widow, she has a butler, and she has like six cats. And in her will, she's giving her money away when she dies to the cats. To the cats. The butler's wow. been serving them for decades, right? Yeah. And the whole movie's the, the butler's like, I'm going to get rid of the cats. They're going to, you know, that way she only has me to give the money to, right? And the whole movie, you're rooting for these cats to inherit the entire will of this rich, rich widow. And you're like, in reality, this is psycho. This is psych-. and, and everyone in America be like, yeah, cats, get that inheritance. Your, your, your dad can die and like give all his money to his mistress, leaving your yeah, family with nothing. With nothing. Yeah. He can give it to his dog. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So he, there's actual real stories where they give it to their dogs. Yeah. They left their entire shit to the dog. This is retarded. Oh, what's the? There was a. Sorry, it, it's just it's misguidance. <laughs> well, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. It's misguidance. It's just there's. Like what's his name? Nine. Jackie Chan is giving zero. Uh, to his kids? Yeah. Uh, uh, what's his name? The famous it? chef. Ramsey? Ramsey, zero. He's like, we're paying for your college education, but after that, you're on your you're own. On your own. Which is like, okay, I mean, you're probably going to make it, but like, it's just Islamic. <laughs> yeah. It's, the thing is, people don't is understand. It's the definition of gold. Yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like you have to understand your risk is written for you. Mm-hmm. You didn't just, oh, I earned this money. I get to, no, you didn't earn, Allah gave it to you yeah. through means and you don't get to decide what to do with it no. afterwards. No. So oh, that's the. Not Knives Out. That was a fame, like a good movie. Oh, yeah. Knives Out. The yes. whole premise of that movie is the guy gave his money to anyone but his family. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, they're all greedy. They don't deserve <laughs> it. But yeah, this is complete volume. He gave it to some <laughs> random immigrant. Like yeah. it makes no sense. Yeah. Nothing against immigrants where I'm an immigrant. Yeah. <laughs> It's Munir. not his related immigrants. <laughs> Munir Wallahi, bro. You're going <laughs> to cancel me out. No, but, but that that point is important. We're, we're like that whole philosophy of like ownership and wealth. Immigrant. And realizing that our money's not really ours. Yeah. It's not. It's really important to understand. Because people sometimes they just, they have such hard a hard time swallowing that pill of inheritance. Yeah. And, you know, and I think once you understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed it a certain way and if it's split up like that there shouldn't be animosity between the family God said this is going to be what's perfect for you it's perfect for them and it's going to work out best for all of you and the most blessings in it you're all going to have more than what you thought if you actually truly believe and internalize that alhamdulillah that's that's why like the more I feel like especially in the past few years the more you see how people are just starting to come up with stuff and just this is how they live their life now and then they just you know they don't you know, first they didn't believe in God. Now they thank the universe, and things are just going all over the place, right? <laughs> so you're like, you become really, really thankful because you, you, you start seeing it. Like, okay, without guidance, this is literally what's happening yeah. in front of you. Yeah. Right? Like, without guidance, you, you, you know, people destroy themselves. Like, how are you going to destroy yourself? It, you see it. You're literally seeing it in yeah. front of your very eyes, right? Huh. So, um, yeah, death very important. Uh, remember it frequently. <laughs> remember remember it frequently. Uh, it. Have a exactly. will. Um, so, I mean, I, I think, I hope I hit every point. I want I to hit every possible question someone has about death and sickness and condolences and 
Uh, yeah. I want one resource, timestamp it all, and someone uh, searches it, it's all there. Inshallah. Inshallah. I, I think you gave me the idea of making this into a booklet as well. I told you. Yeah, yeah. man. I started it. Oh, you get it. Oh, the, you the did? Process, yeah. Okay. Once, once it's done, we'll, is it, would it be like a like a ebook PDF thing? Or? Both, yeah. Both. Amazon. Okay. I can just get yeah. a, oh, okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Inshallah. We'll make sure to put that in the comments once that's uh, released. I think. I think that's it. Yeah, I think we covered everything. May Allah give us a good death. Amin. 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 Okay. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh, for joining us today. My honor, my pleasure. Thank you to all the listeners. Uh, remember, please comment, like, and subscribe. A good 75% of people listening and watching are not subscribed. I don't know why. So please that's hit the subscribe. Yes, astaghfirullah. So with that, this is Amr Mabrook with the Prophetic Mentality Podcast. Signing off. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Wa alaikum assalam.